Welcome! This is the CGMI Living Springs Gospel Podcast. Stay tuned as you listen to the Word of God. Hallelujah. Good evening, everybody. Thanks for joining us in service again. It's another Thursday. Uh, I know God has been faithful. If you are hearing me, God has been faithful to you. If you are hearing me, means God has done, God has kept you. God has worked his work continuously in your life and he's still doing it. And I am convinced beyond any iota of doubt that he will perfect that which he has started in your life in the name of Jesus Christ. This evening, um, I just want to talk briefly about something that some of us probably already know. Uh, so, since for, a, for a while, multimedia has always been pressing for topics, so they ask that you give them topics. And I've always struggled with picking topics, if you know me very well. So today I have a very, very, I won't say funny topic, but it's an abnormal topic to give for a message. It's more like a discussion in business school. It's more like a, a discussion in business school. But I picked it because I think that it is a statement, it is emphatic, and it will help us actually. It is one word. It will help us to, it will help the things that we want to discuss stick in our minds, okay? So it's, it may affect how some people understand the term eventually, but it will help what we are going to discuss to stick, Okay? So what would be, I, I, I termed it subcontracting. Subcontracting. So some people are already wondering, ah, that's not for business now. But yeah, that's what I termed it. And as we discuss, you find out why. What is subcontracting? According to the dictionary, subcontracting, I'll just, let me just read. I think I had some, I had some, um, yeah, I had some, Okay. So subcontracting is the practice of assigning or outsourcing parts of the obligations and tasks under a contract to another party known as a subcontractor. Subcontracting is especially prevalent in areas where complex projects are the norm, such as construction and information technology. So in simple terms, subcontracting is when a party receives a contract from either an organization or an individual to either deliver goods or provide certain services, and then from that contract, subcontracts from it, the execution of that contract, subcontracts another part to another person. So I'll give a simple example. Assume I am a contractor, and I get a contract from the federal government of Nigeria to supply COVID-19 palliatives, maybe bags of rice. So my contract is supposed to, co to cover the purchase, the repackaging if we have to put them in smaller packs, and then the shipping and distribution to the different states. Okay? That's what my contract covers. Both the buying, packaging, distribution, and everything. I can decide to say, oh, you know what? I will buy, I will repackage, but I will look for a distribution company, maybe a logistic company, and give them a subcontract to then distribute the repackaged rice to the different states of the Federation, okay? What I have done with that delivery company or the distribution company is a, sub, a subcontract of the main contract which I have gotten for 
provision of uh, palliatives. Okay? Or assume I got a contract for provision of palliatives and I decided to, to bring only rice and ask other people to bring beans and yam. Right? So that's subcontracting. It's mostly done in construction, in um, oil and gas. You have it a lot in the oil and gas sector. Then, like the, the place I read just now, also in information technology. So in oil and gas, somebody, a company gets the contract to, uh, to uh, construct a flow station, and then you subcontract every other thing, pipeline, line pipes, and all of those things. Some people supply, some people, you even subcontract to people to come and clear the site, right? So that's what it means. In essence, what it means is that the, the meat of the contract is between the main player or the person who gives out the contract with the contractor, right? But every other contract that comes on that day becomes a byproduct of the original contract. So while in business it is useful, right? For instance, for specialization it is useful. If I want to specialize in the production of rice and supply of rice, I don't need to concern myself with distribution. I can look for people who are specialized in that area. So it can be very useful. In construction, if I want to focus in the building, in doing concrete work and block work, I can decide to not discuss roof, roofing or discuss electrical works in the, in the construction of a building, right? So it can be useful. However, how is this related to our Christian life? So I've been dealing with this thing for a long time. We all know from this change in this church, and I'm sure you've probably um, heard or read about it in several places, that the essence of Christ coming to live on earth and dying was to create an opportunity for us to get back to the point of fellowship with God. Right? It was to build children for God. Right? <clears throat> the Bible says that uh, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So, in essence, the Spirit of God in man was to breed sons unto God. So that the sons can then uh, propagate God's kingdom on earth. Right? If we are sons, if we say, oh, the essence of the death of Christ was to bring us back to a place of relationship. Then I think that by the mere definition of relationship, it is possible that some of us have some contracted part of our covenant of relationship with God to either other people or other things or other institutions. You say, I know I never called anybody to tell them to do this for me, but if you check yourself, you might find something. This, this past few months have been very, very revealing in some areas. Some churches have just died. Naturally, they've just gone underground. Some churches have died. Some petty ministries, some doctrines have died, naturally, because they could not have held water. Okay? But this period has also helped us to see some of the deficiencies in our lives as Christians, some of the deficiencies in our work with God. And I think that the life of a Christian, the entirety of the life of a Christian is a work with God. So I think this period has helped us to see those deficiencies. Where some of us, I'll, I'll give simple examples. If you say you are a child, imagine your relationship with your parents. Your relationship with your parents involves communing with them, involves staying with them. Even as you grow old, as you leave the house, right, as you start your own small nuclear family, you still maintain, a you still maintain com constant communication with members of your original family, right? So you are still in communication and in fellowship with your parents, you are still in communication and fellowship with your siblings, right? And you don't, you don't go to your siblings because you have a problem. You go to your siblings because you want to 
fellowship with them. You want to understand how they are doing. You want them to understand how they are doing. You want to share common experiences again. Right? But in our work with God, a lot of us, there are parts of our lives that we are, bo- we are both either fully subcontracted to people and have left, abandoned it with them. Or we have partly subcontracted it to people. You see, I still don't understand what you are saying. I'll give a simple example. There are some people that cannot worship except they are in church during praise and worship. Some people cannot experience that level of, of communion except they are in church during praise and worship. So it has become so bad that now that you cannot go to church, it's just awkward. You can't have that experience, right? Because it is, you have to do it on Sunday. There are some people that cannot hear from God except they listen to a pastor. So if the pastor doesn't talk, you don't hear. What you have successfully done is to unconsciously, consciously or unconsciously, subcontract part of the responsibilities of your relationship with God to either your pastor or your church. Right? Your relationship with God is supposed to be what defines your relationship with both your pastor, your church, your parents, whoever is a leader in your life. However, if your relationship with them is what determines your relationship with God, then you have subcontracted part of your relationship with God or part of the responsibilities of your relationship with God. The lawyers can argue that this may not be an exact contract because we do not have terms and conditions, but that's for them. We are discussing in church. Okay? So, what then happens is that we have Christians who are, I won't say deformed, but who are not fully formed, right? We have Christians who are not fully formed into that image of God. Why? Because a part of the responsibilities for a relationship with God is lacking. A part of the responsibilities for your relationship with God is lacking. And the growth that should come from your carrying out of that responsibility doesn't happen in your life. So if I'm a contractor, I'm a building contractor, I take contracts to, do, to construct buildings, and I, I really, my own company doesn't really do electrical, we will never be developed in electrical installations. We will never have it. We will just keep giving out the contracts to other people. So we will be an engineering company taking out contracts for constructions, but without an electrical department. Or at least a fully functioning electrical department that can handle projects on their own. So while it might be good for a company, when you bring it into your work with God, it is not sustainable, it is not right, and it takes away from the essence of the death of Christ. Hallelujah. Some people are still wondering, um, it doesn't, well, I don't really do that. There are a lot of people, there are a lot of things you can subcontract to. The most common one is that people subcontract to pastors. Some subcontract to a particular prophet. Some subcontract to church leaders. Some to parents. Some to elders in the family. So what then happens is that when you hear from, when, when this person calls you and says, oh, I heard from God, you just do. So that's God's word. You have no way of checking whether it's God's word. You have no way of confirming whether it's God's word. You just do. So your, your understanding of God's word becomes subject to that person's understanding of God's word. And the truth is that Christ's death 
is for an individual relationship with God. There's a term I'm not very comfortable with. It's when people say they have fathers in the Lord and mothers in the Lord. I don't believe that there's any such thing. But how you regard it is your business. It's not a determinant of whether you make heaven or you not make heaven. But I don't like it because it takes away from something. Why? Between me and God, there's nobody standing there. In fact, between an unbeliever and God, there's nobody standing there. The Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. That's to an unbeliever. He's right at the door of the unbeliever's heart, knocking. So if you open and let me in, I will come in. So there's nobody standing between you and you say, ah, but somebody came to preach with me. No, he was just carrying out his own responsibilities for his own contract of relationship with God. The fact that he carried out his own responsibility does not put him in a place between you and God. You see, ah, what happens to intercession? Intercession is you pleading somebody's case before God. He still does not put you between the person and God. The only person between us and God is Christ. Because it is by his covenant of death and resurrection and his and his 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 um his um what would I say his sacrifice to actually take away the nature of sin or to gain victory over the nature of sin that we then have access to God. So it is by his blood and the sacrifice of the shedding of his blood and body that we have access to the, to, to Christ to God. So that's the only person between us and God. And the Bible says we are joint heads with him. So I don't like that term because I feel it takes away from the value of the level of relationship I'm supposed to have with God and that you are supposed to have with God. And the truth is that God is not closer to anybody than to you. It is the people that are closer to God than you are because they have committed to developing a relationship with him. God is not closer to me than he is to you. He's not closer to Bishop Oyedepo than he is to you. It is Bishop Oyedepo that has stayed closer to God than you have. And if you stay close to him, you will get to that level. Hallelujah. So you say, ah, what are you still saying? I'm saying that if you still cannot understand what God's will for you is, if you still cannot get to know if this, this God's word, if you still cannot confirm what is God's word for you, what is God's direction for you, there is a responsibility that you're supposed to take in your relationship with God that you have not yet started to take. Either you have left it vacant to somebody else, you have let, left it vacant to an institution, or you have totally just relinquished it to space and time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I will read a scripture. Um, I will read a scripture that explains some of that is in the Old Testament. It's in First Kings chapter 13. I'm not sure if I'll be able to read the whole thing. I, I think uh, Multimedia asked me today when I, when I sent them the whole chapter. They asked me if I was going to, if I was sure I would read the whole scripture. And I said, just write it down first. I'm not sure if we'll be able to read the whole thing. It's a very um, common story. But I don't think, I think, okay, the, the interesting part of it is in the preceding chapter, is in chapter 12. In chapter 12, we see how that a king had taken counsel from, um, Rehoboam had taken counsel from young men against, he had taken counsel from young male as against the counsel of elders. And so he decided to met out more punishment than his father did on his people. And then the people rebelled against him. And then Jeroboam became their king. Sorry, Jeroboam, uh, Jeroboam then Rehoboam, he became their king. At least for the bulk of the uh, children of Israel. And uh, Jeroboam had to move to Judah. 
And then eventually Rehoboam, for fear that the children of Israel will soon leave him again as king and go back to the original king, because they had to go and worship there, decided to create um, idols for them to worship. So he made two of them. And so they would go to those, to, um, those altars and make sacrifices and worship there. And they worshiped the images that he had made rather than the God who had brought them out of captivity. And so in, chapter, in 1 Kings chapter 13, the Bible talks about a prophet, a young prophet, who was actually raised now from Judah, which is where the original supposedly bad king had gone to. But had, they, had, they had the people who had hacking to the word of God. So they had remained with God. So a young prophet had been raised from Judah who then came over to um, Rehoboam's area and according to the word of God, went to decree God's word. If I I'll read from verse 1, he said, Behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar and he cried against the altar and he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, Thus said the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that born incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord had spoken. Had spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. And it came to pass when, the, when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him. And his hand which he put forth against him dried up, so that he could not pull it in again to him. The altar, was, the altar also was rent, and the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, Entreat the face of the Lord thy God, and pray for me that my hand may be restored, my, that my hand may be restored me again. And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored him again, and became as it was before. And the king said unto the man of God, Come home with me and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. And the man of God said unto the king, take note, verse 8, it says, And the man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. Why? Verse 9, For so was it charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. So he went another way, and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. Two things. This young prophet had experienced God. He had an understanding of God. He had a relationship with God even. So he knew God's word even. Different from some of the things I've talked about earlier. Right? He had seen signs. He had given God's word and he had seen results from God's word. Hallelujah. So some of us already know the end of the story. I will still go there. But before I get there, I will say something. So when we talk about these things, a lot of people say, oh, no, I'm fine, I'm doing this. But you see, there's that one experience. I have had some of them. I've even had to complain to some of the people that I had to listen to and say to them, I don't think that, that advice, that counsel you gave me was good counsel, but it was not God's will. Say why? I say, I, 
I know what I heard, what I listened to you, and what we did was okay. But I don't think that it was what we were supposed to do. Right? So there's that one experience. Or there's that time when you, when you think, oh, you are right, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, and you realize that it's not. I'll give you an example. I wrote something here. I also said, some of the reasons why Christians subcontract, one of them is uncertainty. When you are not sure of what is, which is what happens from a lack of relationship. So you are not sure what is God's word, what is not his word, what is his will, what is not his will. You are not even sure of what you are in Christ. That's the first one. The second one is need for validation. So, you know what you want somebody to affirm it. Or, you are more concerned about how some people think or perceive your expression of God's will than you are about your actual expression of God's will. So you need validation from people. You need validation from men or from institutions. Why the third one I wrote here is just laziness and ease. It's easier to come for, to church and ask pastor to pray and anoint you when you have malaria. It's easier. It's just easy. Just walk to church. Say, pastor, please pray for me. I have malaria. It's easier. Problem is you will never experience that relationship with God where you have to talk to him and gain healing. It has to be pastor. So the day that pastor is not there, there's a problem. Right? So it's easy. For some people, it's just laziness. Some people, it's just ease. So some people, it's need for validation. So as we read closer in this, in this scripture, I want us to see what happens. In verse 11, it says, Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all that the prophet had done. And their father said unto them, what way went he? For his sons had seen what the man had done, okay? And they told the man the way he went and everything. In verse 14, okay, um, he went after the man of God, okay, and, and went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak, an, an oak. And he said unto him, Are thou the man of God that camest from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said unto him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I eat bread, nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, Thou shalt eat no bread, nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou schemest. He said unto him, I am a prophet also, as thou art. And an angel, not God, spake unto me by the word of the Lord saying, bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water, but he lied unto him. So he went back with him and didn't eat bread in his house. Two things. This man was so confident that he told the king that he would not come into the king's house. Even if the king gave him half of his kingdom or half of his wealth, the guy was so confident. How come when he had a prophet's offer just to come and eat and drink, he then agreed. Because the prophet then said, Oh, I am also a prophet like you, and I have heard from God, and he also told me to call you. Here's the problem your relationship with God is unique to you, it's God's expression of himself through you. It can be different from his expression through me but his spirit will remain the same in us. Now, here's the problem. The word of God can never bring confusion because God is not the author of confusion. God's word to you 
can never bring confusion to me. God's word to you can never bring fear to me because God's word is his word of love and perfect love casts away fear. Hallelujah. So this guy, it's easy for me to analyze him because I'm reading his story. I might, be, I might have done worse than him, but I'll just talk about it. This guy knew God's word. He had heard it. But when he heard the credentials of the old prophet, he started to doubt what he had heard. And he started to accept another person's perception or understanding of God against what he had heard. And we know what happened in the end. In fact, while he was eating in the man's house, the same old prophet told him that God has said that he will be destroyed. The same person, the same prophet who prophesied to him to come and eat, that he was the word of God, now prophesied to him that he will be destroyed for not listening or hearkening to the word of God. You see how is this relevant? You see how, okay, I'm a pastor now, so I can tell you, I can talk as a pastor. It is possible for a pastor to lie. Should your pastor lie? Should a pastor lie? No. But it's possible for a pastor to lie. See, ah, so pastors do tell lies. Let's even say you do not lie. It is, it is possible for a pastor to express God's word to somebody else and it's not exactly directly for you. How do you then know what is right? By the spirit of God in you, which you have engaged in the place of fellowship. One of the most subcontracted parts of our relation, of our, of our, our, our work with God, or our relationship with God, or our Christian life is our fellowship with him. We subcontract that one. We come to church on Sunday. That one is easy. Just wake up Sunday morning. You even come late. Just enter church. You pray. You do the morning prayer. The ablution. Wake up in the morning. Do your five or fifteen minutes. And then you wait. You go. Come back in the night before you sleep. You do your five or fifteen minutes. Just to make sure the witches are not around disturbing you. But the actual depth of relationship we have subcontracted to somebody else who then comes every Sunday and every week, midweek service to tell us what God wants us to hear. The problem is you are not even sure if that word is for you or it's for somebody else. You jump when it's exciting. When the rhyme rap, the rhymes, the words align. You jump and you are happy. But when you go home, it does not breathe any expression in you. It does not breathe any real actions in you. It does not even bring about any form of life in you. Hallelujah. So I will read, I will talk about, um, there's another scripture I want, I, want, I want us to talk about. I hope, let me check my time. Ah, so. I won't read it. I will just, I will summarize this thing. I've never even gotten to halfway. So let's just summarize it. The Bible says in Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18, says, as we all with open faces beholding us in a mirror, the glory of our Lord, we are transformed into that same image from glory to glory. What it means is that the transformation that is required in your life is, is from your, your, your relationship with God, is from your seeing of God. The reason why there's no transformation in your life is because you are not seeing God. You are seeing a prophet that tells you things you are seeing your pastor, you are seeing your worship leader in church, you are not seeing God. Transformation happens when you see God. The word of God is God. When that word enters your life and you see God in his word, that's when the transformation happens. Hallelujah. So I would ask, what mirror are you looking at? What are you beholding? Is it the direct image of, is it the direct image of God? 
as in the mirror? Or are you listening to an interpretation of the image from someone else's perspective? The common one is, I've seen it. See a lot of ladies. A guy comes to ask you out. Or you're in a relationship with a person. Then you begin to have doubt. Then you go to a prophet and he says, to you, yeah, it's not the one. No. It's going to have problems. You're going to have problems later. It's not the one. I, this one I personally seen. Yeah, it's not the one. No. You're going to have problems with him later. Then you break up with the guy because the prophet said, even for guys, it happens. Somebody calls you from your family and says, ah, it's not the one. It's not the one. Then you break up and you move to another one. And you, when you are about to move forward, you go to prophet again. Prophet, ah, it's not the one. Then you have done like six. And I'm not asking. Isn't that a problem? If the prophet can see the one that is not the one, how can't he just see the one and tell you where the one is? Let's just cut this whole story short. If you can know that it's not the one, don't look at him again. Look at me and tell me who the one is. Since you can see his own future that has not even come before you, me that I'm before you, see my own. And just tell me, so I don't bother bringing the wrong people to you again. I don't even bother wasting my time with the wrong people. But you will go and keep going and keep going and keep going. Why? Because you yourself can't even tell whether that is what is good for you or not. My friends, my friends say, will say, you are not confident in your package. You are not even sure whether you have a relationship with God. You are not sure whether God, hey, God loves me. But how much? It creates a problem. The spirit of God in you is to develop a relationship with God. Is to help your mind conform constantly to God's will. We see it in Acts. We read it two Thursdays ago when I was talking. We, we see it in Acts that the spirit of God came upon them and they came out with boldness and expressed God's will to his people. The Lord's prayer, that's the one I wanted to read. I think that's the one that is in Matthew chapter 6 verse 9 to 13. I have to read that one. The Lord's prayer. Matthew 6 verse 9 to 13, I think. So Jesus was talking to, um, to the people and he had taught them a lot of things and he was talking about how to pray. So I'll just read it. The first part says, some of us have heard this before. It says, after this manner therefore, from verse 9, it says, after this manner therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. First thing was relationship. He says, our Father. So you are not coming to him on behalf of somebody else. You are coming to him based on your relationship with him. See, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. I reverence your name. I reverence the personality. We talked about the name of Christ um, a while ago in church. And we said the name of a person carries the entire weight of the responsibility and achievements and power of that person. So when you say, hallowed be thy name, you are saying, holy is your personality. So you reverence him as your father. You reverence him as your God. And then he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is submission to the will of God, submission to the propagation of his kingdom. A lot of, a lot of us have contracted these first two parts. Our father is contracted, so we call him dear God. We stick with dear God because we feel that it magnifies him. But he just wants a relationship with you. How can you, the, 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 a, a, a priest or a prince, look at your father and call him O king? And the man is looking for a son that he can 
give part of himself or pour part of himself into and you are, oh king, but you are my son. Oh king, I have to reverence your throne. So we have subcontracted that part of our lives to other people to do for us. We have subcontracted the part of submitting to his will, submitting to his kingdom. All we do when we go to him is, I'll, move, I'll just move forward. It says, oh, um, give us this day our daily bread. That's the part we do. Okay, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass. That one, those two we do. So when you come, those, ah, you must forgive. Father, forgive me my, oh God, forgive me my sins. I'm not worthy of your presence. Then please, as I'm going out this morning, you write your list. Breakfast, I want, um, I want bread rolls, bacon, hot dog, some coffee, omelette, okay, maybe a glass of fresh juice. Then lunch too. And you tell him all the things you want to have during the day. And then you come in the night when you want to sleep. Say, so Father, as I want to sleep, I, I want to dream of money. And as I'm sleeping, also give me a dream that will help me to get bacon and bread tomorrow. You understand? Then take away the witches. And then you go to sleep. And he's trying to say, hold on, hold on. I want to. But you have subcontracted that part to somebody else. That's no longer your business. You really don't care. Why? You say, I'm busy. I don't have that time. Well, what happens is that you become an underdeveloped Christian. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have confessed him with your heart. He has poured the spirit upon you. But you have not yet started to manifest as sons. Hallelujah. So say to yourself, I refuse to subcontract any responsibility I have towards my relationship with God to anybody or institution. I will take responsibility for my relationship with God. And I will carry out all that he wills for me to do. I will become the perfect expression of him. Hallelujah. That's what our discussion today is all about. Remembering to be all that God wants you to be. Remembering to commit all that you need to commit unto the Lord. When we say commit unto the Lord, people just assume that committing unto the Lord is uh, when you want to go on a journey. You say, Father, I will commit this journey unto your hand. And because you are afraid. No, that's not what it's about. What it's about is ensuring that that journey is his. his. The idea of the journey is his own, not yours. Hallelujah. The, the scripture also says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, but my will will be done on earth by God's blessing. That's the new, that's our own interpretation of it. So I wake up in the morning, I give him my will, and I expect him to bless it and do it for me. Why? Because I am either too lazy or too uncertain or need so much validation that I am not interested in carry out, carrying out my responsibility for fellowship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Spirit of God in you works out God's relationship with you works out your fellowship with him what you need to do is submit to that spirit spend more time hearing him spend more time listening to him spend more time asking his spirit to constantly renew your heart that's how you are transformed that's how every every other thing that you are looking forward to that's how it comes hallelujah amen
Hope we have been blessed by God's word this evening. Hope we have been blessed by God's word this evening. Just say it again. Say, Father, help me not to subcontract any responsibility or aspect of my relationship with you to anybody or institution. Help me to commit and submit fully to you and to your will. In fact, any contract I have given out, any subcontract I have given out, I collect it back. I collect it back. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We ask that you come expand your words in the heart of your people. That your spirit in us begins to manifest your will in our lives. Begins to conform us in every area to your will, to your desires. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the CGMI Living Springs Gospel Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at CGMI underscore L Springs.